Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. People listening to this podcast should be honest with themselves on where they're at if they're looking to be a syndicator or if they're looking to be an investor and they should just be okay with where they're are at that moment. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years, and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have Nick Simpson with us. How are you doing, Nick? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Nick is the founder and CEO of Mentis Capital Partners, which focuses on value add multifamily classes B and C and ground up development of multifamily and student housing. That is class A. The current portfolio is 60 million as a GP. He has 10 years of real estate investing experience. He's based in Salisbury, Maryland. Are you doing most of your investing there in Maryland, Nick, or are you investing elsewhere? Maryland, Atlanta recently, and then looking throughout the Sun Belt. Looking throughout the Sun Belt. Gotcha. Investing in Maryland because the market fundamentals are solid in comparison to other markets or because it's your backyard? So it started as the backyard and we do all of our development here. I do think the market fundamentals are strong. Otherwise I wouldn't waste my time or direct capital here, but we choose to do our developments closer to home because they take a lot of political connections. They take a lot of zoning connections. You really need to be kind of boots on the ground unless you have a much larger firm and you can bounce around and monitor these projects pretty well. Right now we have a 101 unit 14-story student housing project going up in downtown Salisbury. And that has taken three years of planning and a lot of local connections just to get that done. But then doing the value-add multifamily, pick two up in Atlanta and continuing to try to search for properties, but not overpay in this market. 
Salisbury, Maryland, looking at it on a map, most people would assume that's Delaware. What kind of market is Salisbury? Is it close enough to DC or Baltimore to be a suburb? No, it's not It's not quite that close. You're about two, two and a half hours to the center of DC, depending on the traffic in Northern Virginia. We did see during the pandemic, a lot of people come across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge and kind of come over to the shore of Maryland or called the Eastern Shore of Maryland. And I think as far as Salisbury is concerned, the market here is focused primarily on agricultural. You have student housing with Salisbury University, UMES, which is a driver of probably a few of the student housing projects around here. And then you also have hospital and biotech and type companies. But the big thing that people don't realize is you have like Fortune 500 companies that maybe people don't think about too often, like Purdue Chicken or Tyson. And they're right here in our backyard and they bring a lot of employment to the area. Solid employment base. Nice. What got you into real estate investing, Nick? Started about 10 years ago, right after the recession. Knew I wanted to get into business, but I didn't know what. Picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad on one Saturday, ended up reading it in one day. Hell bent on buying a house after that. And then one became two, then 10, then 20, and then eventually into multifamily and commercial. And here we are today. Yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad had a similar effect on me. I ended up a house hacker just a few months after reading it. So you do most of your development there in your backyard because you have connections. What led you to the Atlanta market? Well, of course you have population growth, you know, all the, the normal things that we all talk about, the, sure. the normal demand drivers. But I liked the East Coast markets, really the Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte, Tampa, and Atlanta markets. While they're very difficult to find deals in right now, I still think there's yield there. We had a couple contacts down there and so we were able to close on a, on a deal that we think is going to do quite well. Tell me about that deal. Well, I guess the most recent ones are in Decatur or DeKalb County, and they are right around the corner from each other. So it's going to be one of those classic plays where we can have a little bit of economies of scale between the two properties. Nice. And both value add, we always pretty much look for heavy value add or very obvious value add, something that we can actually truly force the appreciation on. And in this market, we've just gotten frustrated with some of the bids that we're seeing on other properties that clearly just don't have that type of yield built into it, but maybe they have a 1031 situation or they just have a maybe a back office that's extremely efficient. I'm not sure exactly how some people are getting them done, but we're trying to really remain conservative on the underwriting and make sure that first and foremost, we feel comfortable putting our own money into the deal, putting our family's money into the deal, and then of course, breaking it out and putting it in front of investors. Nick, what counts as true forced appreciation for you? For me, you have to actually physically fix the asset. For instance, the parking lot in one of the projects is absolutely horrible. The trees are ruining the parking lot. So get rid of the trees, fix the parking lot, do the grounds. All of a sudden you have a new curb appeal, paint the buildings, new windows if necessary, adding washers and dryers. What the other property needed, new roofs, again, paint the exteriors, a lot of just uh, cosmetic stuff. But of course, on the interior of the unit, you're going to be doing the kitchens and the bathrooms flooring, painting, lighting fixtures, whatever might be necessary, but truly making that a better place to live so that the rent increases are not just based on a assumption that we're always going to go up. Multifamily has obviously done very well over the past, but when you look at an untrended yield, that's really what's going to be a telling story. And I just want to be able to bank on the fact that 
we're going in there fixing it and truly being able to demand a higher price because it just is a better product. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. Give us an example of a time that you've done that. I've been doing that from the beginning, whether it be from the very first house I bought to properties we're working on right now. The very first house I bought was $35,000. It was a foreclosure and we put about $35,000 into it. And it was a lot of sweat equity, but by the time it was done, we were able to sell it for $120,000 after I rented it for, I don't know, five or six years. And the lot next to it actually came with the property and I was able to sell that off for another 15 grand. But by literally making the property better, I learned early on that even if the market's going to go the wrong way, we're going to be in an okay position. That's no different for a one house first 90 units first 250 or a thousand. You really just have a better product and people are going to be interested in that better, less headache product. Give me some numbers on one of those deals. Like one of the ones either that you did there in Maryland or one of your Atlanta deals, what you bought it for, what the rents were at the time and how much you had to put into a property to get the rent growth that you got and what that rent growth was. So I think bringing it to more right now in Atlanta, we're putting between the two properties, roughly two and a half million dollars total asset value between the two properties, a little over 20 million. So you're doing a decent amount of work to improve these properties. We've already seen rent growth. It's more aggressive than we expected, but we've already seen rent growth of 200, $250 more than what was the going in rental rates. And we really think that's just going to do quite well over the long term. And if it does slow down a little bit and we go to more of a two, two and a half, three percent standard increase year by year, just by starting so strongly, we feel that we're kind of ahead of where we would have already ended up. Where in your value add multifamily deals, your B and C class stuff, where are your average rents right now? Right now, for like a one bedroom, you're talking nine fifty to twelve hundred. Two bedroom, two bathroom, probably 1,050 to probably in the neighborhood of 1,400, depending on how nice the unit is. And then the three bedroom, two bathrooms, I think we have a couple in the neighborhood of about 
14 or 1500 a month. They're all in about that range. Gotcha. That's now we've seen crazy rent growth across the board the last two years. In your experience, what do you think rent growth is going to look like the next couple of years? Should we expect the type of growth that we've had? You know, there are several underlying economic factors here, Nick, like when you look at what COVID did to the employment market, when you're talking about affordable rents, you're also talking about the sectors of the economy with the highest wage growth. Do you think that trend is going to continue or are you expecting to go back to that 3% rent growth year over year? I can't say that it's going to slow down anytime soon. Based on what I see, I don't think it'll slow down anytime soon. However, that is not what I'm underwriting to. I just don't think it's wise to pretend like anybody knows. I do think that rent will continue to go up just by the sheer fact that inflation is going to make things more expensive and people are going to be paid more and therefore able to buy more and well afford a higher rent. It all flows through the economy. I think people don't talk about value enough. I think when we look at exchange of dollars, what we're really talking about is an exchange of a value to somebody and somebody's getting paid based on the value that they are providing to that company or the company believes that they're worth or the employee feels that they're worth. And then they go and spend it on things that they find of value. If we're talking in terms of value, things haven't really changed in terms of value. People still value things at a certain amount, but of course you have to pay more for them now because the inflation has caused that to happen. I'm not sure if I explained that very well, but basically what I'm saying is I'm not underwriting to an increased crazy amount of rents down the road. I think that's an unsafe way to get into a property. I am bullish on what rents will do over the next few years. And I do think that will be the narrative that we're hoping to go back to our investors with is, hey, we way outperformed. Are you ready to go for the next one? Nice. What led you to get into ground up construction? You know, I like to have something that makes me excited to come to work. So all the books, all the experts in our industry, if you look at the top titans of our industry, like the Sam Zells of the world, all of those guys would say that development is more risky. But they all admit that there is something about seeing a building come out of the ground that you've worked on or you've dreamed up or you know is going to change your community that is fun. And it can also provide a really risk-adjusted return if you do the project well. So we saw an opportunity in Salisbury, Maryland, and there was no high rise in downtown, or at least there was nothing above seven stories. So going into that 14-story high rise type construction really is going to offer something that's new and make a placemaking in the downtown historic area. And we also were able to use the opportunity zones, which we have an opportunity zone fund for the project, which allows for investors to have the tax savings that were offered by the federal government for doing projects in areas with lower incomes. So that was a good way for us to find yield in some of the markets that aren't as hot as say DC or Some of the ones that we've talked about already, like Raleigh, Charlotte, Durham, all the typical Texas markets. You you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's this building. It's in the downtown area. That's right. It's twice as tall as anything else there. Yeah. What's the unit mix? So this is a full student housing. So you have four bedroom, four bathrooms or two bedroom, two bathroom mixes. And the property is a purpose-built student housing. So it's slightly different than multifamily. 
do have a slightly different property manager. You're going to have a slightly different amenity mix because it's going to be geared towards the students. You're going to have furniture included. You're going to have utilities included. Everything's going to be kind of that turnkey. It's a little bit different than what you're going to see in the multifamily space, but it's not much of a stretch. It's pretty similar. And we were able to see that the students were coming into the downtown Salisbury area. That's where all the restaurants, the bars, the energy of the town is. They were coming there, but there was no student housing anywhere near it. And it was an opportunity to work with a local government who was very bullish on building new housing and really revitalizing Main Street as the malls begin to die, which the malls killed Main Street. So it's ironic how it's coming back. But we just saw an opportunity to work with the local governments and to do a project that's going to be quite substantial to the Salisbury area. And we have a couple more that are coming. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year, whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals? I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility within the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract, and she partnered with two other deal-maker mentoring students, and together they raised $700,000. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal-maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word JOE to 66866. Again, that's the word JOE. You know how to spell my name, right? J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. That's awesome. Nick, talk to me like an accredited investor who's considering putting my money either in value add multifamily, the bread and butter play that we all understand, 
I want to know how, so far as my own risk and potential reward is concerned, how is ground up development going to compare? So there's a couple things that go into that. If you're going to be doing ground up development in downtown Austin, you're going to expect one type of return versus a ground up project in a tertiary market like Salisbury, Maryland. Now to help increase the returns, that's where the opportunity zone investments come in. And if people haven't really taken a deep dive into the opportunity zone investments, I really think it is something that an accredited investor who has capital gains should really look at. If you haven't sold anything, you don't have any stocks that you've sold, you haven't sold any real estate, not for you, the opportunity zones won't work. But if you have capital gains and you have sold off any type of properties or stocks that you want to shelter your taxes from, you're going to be able to increase your returns on a property by two and a half to three percent on top of what is offered to you based on an IRR basis. And the other side of it is with this very cap rate compressed market, you can see higher cap rates in the surrounding markets, the smaller markets. And if you're really working with the people in those markets who are the main contacts and the ones that really are the movers and shakers in that market, I know plenty of people who work in these type of small markets who are absolutely killing it. So I would look to work with those type of people. And it really just has to be a fit for your capital. So if you're looking for that tax savings, longer term hold, and you would maybe look at a deal where you have an opportunity zone investment involved with it, which of course I haven't explained, but to use the opportunity zone, it's the best if you have a development project. So that's kind of a natural matching. But if you have just capital that you want to deploy, you want to do a shorter timeline, you want something that's already got cash flow, you're really just kind of looking for a standard play, then you could look for a, probably a lower return, which is certainly going to be a lower return than a development deal. And you can look to do a value add project. But of course, risk, reward, it's the nature of the market, right? What is your best ever advice? I think people listening to this podcast should be honest with themselves on where they're at. If they're looking to be a syndicator or if they're looking to be an investor and they should just be okay with where they are at that moment. I think a lot of people get caught up in the hype of trying to go from zero to being Joe Fairless overnight. It doesn't happen that way. And it's okay to take one step at a time and just continue the education along the way. I, I just have people who reach out to me and what I think they're looking for is that quick fix to getting into the real estate market. But you really need to surround yourself with quality people and just take a step every day to get better over time with good decisions. You'll get to where you want to go. Well, Nick, are you ready for our lightning round? I'm ready. What is your best ever way to give back? I recommend... You pick a charity. And my thing for this year is a lot of networking that is unasked. So I like to connect people, literally just send off an email at the beginning of the day. Hey, thought you two would be good together and just let them take it from there. And it just to let them build their networks. I think it's just a great way to kind of give it back because sometimes I've spent a lot of time just spinning my wheels looking for the right person to talk to. I'm blown away with how many people are sending me back people to talk with. What is the best ever book you recently read? Sam Zell's Am I Being Too Subtle? That is a good one. What is the most money you've lost on a deal? $150,000. I built a house. I was building houses at one point back in my career, and we didn't have the ground surveyed correctly, and we didn't have somebody watching the mason mm -hmm. who ended up taking two blocks out of the foundation, and the house was built too low. And like a long story short, we basically built a, a house with a backyard that became a pond, so we had to pick the house up after selling it to somebody and had to move them out, move them back in after the house was picked up and we moved a whole bunch of dirt in there. So don't recommend that one. 
What's the most money you've made on a deal? I don't know. Probably over a million at this point, but it's not something I've tracked. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure when Joe asked me that and I was a guest, I wasn't sure how to answer that one either. That's great. Nick, where can people get in touch with you? You can go to our website, mentiscapitalpartners.com. You can email me directly at nick at mentiscp.com. And I'm pretty attentive and look forward to talking to you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nick. And best ever listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a five-star review and share this episode with someone you think could benefit from the best real estate investing advice ever. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss anything. Thank you and have a best ever day.